Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Semi-Professional Academic Podcast. As always, I am your host with the most Christmas lights up in my apartment, Jacob Watts. Joining me today is the outstanding, highly rate my professor acclaimed, Dr. Timothy Cunningham. Hey, Jacob. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it, man. Oh, no problem. Thank you for joining us. I want everyone to know that this is the first like real conversation Tim and I ever had. Well, I mean, like we communicate via, via email, but like I knew of you for so many years, but I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't want to interrupt him because I, I have no like <laughs> professional obligation or anything like that. Yeah, no, that's fair. And first off, I want to give you props for continuing my request to just call me Tim since I'm a civilian and out of the whole academic life now. So appreciate that for sure. Um, but as we talked about a second ago, like you were always kind of around and you always knew who I was. We always say hello to each other. And that was always part of kind of our comings and goings. But um, yeah, I never had you in class. But uh, yeah, just judging from the conversations you've been having so far, I'd be happy to kind of, you know, provide what I can to uh, this library of of work that you're putting together here. So thank you. I appreciate it. All my friends like had you. And it was like so funny. I was just like this. I don't know. It's just like this degree of connectedness is like very weird. Like, so there's many connections, but never direct one. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Very someone who's smarter than me in the comment section, figure out what I'm trying to allude here. But <laughs> Tim, before we get too far into it, would you mind giving the audience who may not be as familiar with you just like a brief, like intro background about yourself? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I'm uh, Tim Cunningham. I have my PhD in chemistry, and for about seven years, I was a professor of chemistry at Hanover College. Jacob was a student during that time, but as he mentioned, I never had him in class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a number of, not a number, of some of the guests that have been on the show previously I hadn't had in class or had as an advisee or something. Um, but since then, I have left Hanover, I left academia, and I am currently working for a pharmaceutical company in upstate New York. Uh, so pretty drastic change from rural Indiana back to where I grew up, which is this area of the country. Oh, I didn't know you grew up. Did Like you grew up in upstate New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm from here. My parents are only about like 20, 25 minutes away now. So um, real nice when you have a well, young kid. It helps out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, how old is your child? If you, if you don't mind me asking. That's no, fine. Yeah, she's three and a half now. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. She's- She's a full full blown adult. It's it's wild. <laughs> She's a full blown adult. <laughs> yeah, she's basically ready to pay taxes. Like she wants to at this point. She wants to what? Pay taxes. Pay taxes. <laughs> like, I'm ready to be a big person. Give me the taxes. I'll do it. It's like okay. <laughs> I'm ready to be a big person. <laughs> she sounds so funny. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. So there's so many questions I want to ask. Like getting into all that, but I want to take it back at the beginning, if you don't mind me asking too much. Right. Sure, yeah, go for it. Not the beginning of time or anything, because you know, I don't even know that. It's kind of an unknown. I don't really have that much experience with it, but you know. No. I just assume like whatever happened, happened, and here we are. But I say that too much, like as a scientist, like that's not a very good explanation, but here we go. So walk us through how you initially got interested in the path to chemistry and doing a PhD in the first place. Like walk us through that. Cause as you know, PhD is not just or I don't know, maybe it is, and I'm just weird, but like, it's not something you just wake up one day and just like, yeah, I'm going to go go to school, like for an extra five years, like studying this and becoming an expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely was not that uh, for me, but um, I 
really took an interest to chemistry, honestly, in high school. Um, it was like the first type of science class or just kind of class in general that uh, connected well with my like, problem solving kind of um, like puzzly kind of mentality. Like I like those kind of things where it's like here or not, it's not just facts you're trying to memorize. It's you're learning how to use like tools. You're trying to like learn how to look at things in a way that like makes sense. And um, I always liked that from, yeah, my high school days. And so I spoke to my high school chemistry teacher and asked about, you know, what are some applications I can get into or what can I do with a chemistry degree? And honestly, coming out of that, I, I, I thought forensics was going to be a, a big thing I was going to be doing. Um, mm -hmm. I was really interested in that. Yeah. CSI was absolutely massive at the time. Um, <laughs> but it's, I quickly realized going around to the various places I was looking to go that they always have an influx of people who are in forensics and they're just like, Oh, it involves actually learning chemistry. Forget it. I'm good. And like, just kind of, shy away from the hard science of it all. Um, but that search kind of ended me up at uh, Mercyhurst College, which is in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, did my undergrad there uh, and did pretty well. You know, I was one of those people that I think a lot of that stuff kind of came easy to me. Um, and like I, I worked, but it was like, yeah, I just kind of got the grades I wanted to get and it didn't take too, too much. Um, but, and because of that, I think my professor was saying, oh, you're a natural person to go to grad school. And when I had that conversation with my advisor, I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to get my master's. Dope. Uh, and then very quickly, she was like, no, 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 no. You're getting your PhD. I'm like, <laughs> oh, am I? Oh, okay. Got it. Um, <laughs> I love that. Just not even giving you the option. Like, no, like, no, oh, no, no. Like, yeah, this is not your choice at all. <laughs> this is, this is just, just what you're doing. Um, and so, yeah, I went to, then I uh, got into grad school, went to Pitt, uh, University of Pittsburgh, for those who don't know, um, about two hours south of Erie. And uh, yeah, I was there for a number of years and I really faced a lot of like struggles in that time. It was uh, difficult being in a concentrated talent pool of people who are liking chemistry. Uh, Cause you quickly go from like being one of the best in the room to like, Oh, I'm just kind of middle bottom uh, average, you know, that whole cohort. Uh, but I learned in that like environment that I had never truly learned how to learn. And uh, that kind of took me through me for a loop. And it was really painful to kind of get through that. Um, but uh, it's also when I kind of learned that how much I love teaching and yeah from like my third year on I realized like I want to go back to a smaller art setting and just teach and so that became a motivation for pushing through getting my degree done and then like go, leaving and going to uh, get a teaching job so nice yeah I never had like that kind of like motivation but or <laughs> encouragement I should say but like what was it like to get that kind of like very explicit outstanding push from like your undergrad advisor be like oh no you're going to get your phd like was it did you feel kind of like it's not not my decision or was it part of you like kind of flattered that like oh like i show like talent that i can do this like what were your thoughts like how'd you feel in that moment kind of a bit of both honestly um like the idea of it seemed daunting but i really didn't have a plan at that point like it was near the end of my junior year i think when i was I had this conversation and 
Um, yeah, not having a plan, but like doing generally well and liking what I was learning um, all seemed good. And I was like, oh, I get to just go and you pay me to go. I don't pay for more schooling. That's great. Let's do that. Um, and so that was kind of a big part of that as well. And then the fact that no one in my family or my extended family ever had their PhD was like, okay, I could be the first person in my family to go go do that and kind of complete that. And so I think all those factors just kind of made me like, let's give it a shot and see see what it's like and if I like it or not or whatever. And that's what kind of like it was my very blase attitude that led me to just like, oh, let's go do one of the hardest things to do my entire life. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Very FIWB behavior. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> You know what that is, right? Or no? Uh, I feel like I've heard it, but maybe define it for me just so, or define it for your audience in case no one else. Oh, yeah. So for the audience and. Not for me. Not for me at all. Not not for Tim. Tim, no. Tim, but no. Yeah. Yeah. But for the audience, this is a life motto of mine, which I, it's been useful up to this point. So like, who knows? Maybe adopt it. Maybe don't. Results may vary. But it stands for fuck it, we ball, meaning that, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. You might as well just do with like respect to everyone involved. Like, don't be a a douchebag, but like do like what you want in the moment, see what happens and what it shakes out. And like, that's very that's very cool. You just be like, well, you know, like, I'm just going to do this, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I try to like I realize that I have my own like mental reservations that kind of hold me back at times. And when I feel them simmering or make a noise, I'm just like, this is a time to just ignore it and the best I can and just try to like say like, just do it and just don't imagine the worst case scenarios, just kind of go. And that seems to be like, I almost get, I feel like I get a little ignorant as a result of that because I'm just not listening to my entire mind process things, but it can help whatever I need to just kind of push forward. So now, and you touch on something that's, like I kind of relate with because no one in my family or my extended family got their PhD as well. Like my mom, if I'm thinking correctly. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was, has the highest level of education. She got her master's. Okay. Like it was nice having her like when I was doing my master's, but even the jump from doing a master's to a PhD is still like a very drastic jump, like in my mind. Okay. Or I don't know. I mean, I mean, I've talked on the show that like my master's didn't prep me very well, but here we go. Here we are anyway. Okay. So and I don't know what it's like for like the field of chemistry. Is it normal for a lot of students, even like like from like now and like when you were pursuing your PhD, was it a common thing to just go straight from undergrad to PhD? Or like do you kind of wish you did your master's first or and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but like right. Uh, I would say for the American students that I went with, they all kind of came straight out of undergrad. But a number of uh, the foreign students, they probably they usually had their masters first, or they worked in academia first. But there were, I mean, they were kind of on both sides. Like it's depends. But I definitely was one of the younger ones because I had just finished undergrad, and like me and maybe nine other kids in like our incoming class of 45 at Pitt were like right out of undergrad. The rest were kind of had done something else with their life before that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I regret it. Um, it just kind of felt like honestly a natural extension of college because it, you know, I went from 
being around people of my age group to more people of my age group, but that have similar interests to me now. Um, and makes me look like the least nerdy in the room, which felt good, you know, compared <laughs> to what I used to an undergrad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was good. I just, I do wish that my undergrad kind of similar to what you said about your, um, master's experience. I do feel like my undergrad never really pushed me enough to learn how to learn. Um, and that kind of made things difficult for a couple of years. So, um, but beyond that, like, I don't know what else I could have done besides like go to a different undergrad, which is a whole different, you know, can of worms to open up. You should have devised your own curriculum, your own experiment, your own protocols, develop and patent your own chemicals for at least three different things. Like what were you like? What you, what were you doing with all that time, Tim? Clearly not being productive enough. Like I, I clearly <laughs> was just slacking and, um, really just underutilizing the skill that I have. My goodness. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, I'm glad you're able to take accountability for that. <laughs> I owe up to my mistakes and there's a lot of them, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, this is, this is fun. I can't, I can't tell if I had you in lecture, if this would be very fun or if I would just try to outdo you in sarcasticness, probably the latter, probably the latter. Uh, I mean, if you talk to Olivia, she tried to just get me off track as frequently as possible by bringing up some weird fact that she knew I'd be interested in. And then she would just like try to derail a lecture that way. That was regular. So uh, honestly, I, I love that. Honestly, I am an agent of chaos. Yeah. So I, I stand that I support that with my whole heart. <laughs> or, you know, as we signed to say an agent of entropy. Now, Tim. Oh, stop it. Stop it. What are you doing? I know. I know. My- that, that. <laughs> Tim, I mean, I respect chemistry. She's very, she's very amazing. She's very do this. She does not like me. She hum, she humbled me so quickly. And as someone with crippling self esteem issues, I don't need to be humbled constantly the way chemistry did. Fair enough. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll leave the uh, thermodynamics out of it. Yeah. Thermodynamics. <laughs> we can move on. We can move on. It's okay. <laughs> thermodynamic. Thermodynamic. Thermodynamics. But what do I look like? A fucking P calculator? Damn. <laughs> no, just play it. Oh, no, it's good. No. Oh, my goodness. I'm just trying to get like a timeline correct in my head. Yeah. So graduate straight into PhD. You're like, what, 22, 21? Yeah, 22. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's it like being like the youngest one in a cohort? Like, because d- I assume that, because I just, for anyone out there, I went straight into my master's when I was 22 and then went straight into my PhD when I was 23. Were you the youngest in your cohort, I'm assuming? Both times. Yeah. You can really wait with PhD too. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm just so young, talented, successful, amazing, show-stopping, and humble, of course. So I forget the name of the magazine, the top 40 under 30 that you know you were on, but... I, I, you know, I was the Times 2006 person of the year. Oh, 2006. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how old you are, but that's impressive at that age. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, what can, what can I say? Born with it. Um, but definitely not Maybelline. Let's say that. 
Oh my goodness. But like in all seriousness, d- did it like ever like phase you be like, oh, like, I'm in this room with people who have like real world experience or like they did their master's. So like they've done like grad school time or two, or did you, or did that really like not phase you at all? Um, It, it definitely phased me a bit. I, I think I was lucky in the sense that um, of the people my age in our incoming class, uh, five of us had gone to the same REU the summer before. Oh, now I know, but would you mind explaining to the audience what that is, of course? Sure. So an REU is a, just stands for a research experience for undergraduates. Uh, usually if you want to go to grad school, typically research-based grad school, you try to get an REU the summer between your junior and senior year. And so I, yeah, I had done a 10 week stint in a lab at SUNY Buffalo. Uh, and then kind of by just pure luck, we all kind of ended up applying to pit, getting to pit, liking pit the most. And yeah, five of us were down there, (laughs) which is there's only 11 in the RU, so the fact that five of us ended up down there was crazy. But that helped to have that kind of support group of that age um, to kind of help us get by, get by that. Wait, that's so cool. That's Yeah, it was fun. It was cool. Yeah, you guys have kind of like that, like, worker-friend-like relationship already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's giving spinoff. It's, like, very spinoff, like, behavior kind of thing. No, that's fair. No, that's definitely accurate. And the, the crazy thing is, too, a lot of us went to the American Chemical Society, like, big meeting in New Orleans, like, the previous April. So it was, like, RU, most of the school year, ACS meeting in New Orleans, and then four more months, and then we joined each other in grad school in, in Pittsburgh, which is kind of wild how it all worked out. I I sense a show. I sense a, a show here. Like, very... It's got the makings. Obviously, we'd have to, like, dramatize everything, but... Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very euphoria, I feel like. But what... Or, just without the problematicness, although that does sound dope. We'll workshop it later. We'll workshop okay, it. Okay, we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. yeah. We don't want anyone to steal our ideas anyway. So yeah, no, yeah, no. We'll pitch it to the producers after this. Yeah. No. Well, that's so cool that you like came in having that kind of already like know like a little bit of like the people there. As mm-hmm. I know for me, like the first time I went to grad school, and I feel like everybody knows this like the first time you like go to grad school like one of the most daunting things is like how are you going to acclimate to that new environment especially if you've gone to undergrad where you kind of had like the lay of the land and like if you went to a smaller undergrad like i did like you kind of like know everyone already so like you kind of like this established thing so you have to like essentially restart that whole thing over again that can be very daunting but like that's really cool that you had kind of like that familiarity already a little bit yeah and like i i was really lucky with that and the nice thing is too that the group of people that I was with was also pretty welcoming, and so we weren't like our click and that's it. And we we try to get people who were kind of solo in the program to be like join the group. You know, you can be part of the friend group, and we can just hang out and do stuff and get to know each other. And it just turned out nice for that for that reason. So nice, very community driven. Like that's yeah. nice. That was cool. Yeah, I I love that. I love I love collaboration and community in science. I've never understood the scientists that either like in the lab and out of the lab setting, like don't want to form communities with other scientists. Like that's so weird to me. Oh yeah. Or the competitive nature too. I don't understand that. And I mean, I get it. Like you don't get scooped, but I, one of my old professors in undergrad said that he got into Harvard, went and visited and he saw people regularly locking their lab notebooks in drawers every night because 
they were afraid of their lab mate looking at their notebook, stealing their data and scooping them for publication, notoriety, what have you. And I'm like, oh, that's just, nope. I don't want any part of that at all. That's not very big dick energy of those people, but I... Oh, no. That's just big truck energy. (laughs) (laughs) I say that and no one knows what I mean when I say that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I I mean, I swear, I honestly did not hear you use that on the show at all or anything, but like... No, I don't. It's from Comedy Bang Bang. I I like that one little thing, but you know. Yeah, no, I, I have to like edit... I edit like my sayings on the show because no one knows what I'm talking about. And no, I remember one time this is like off, this is like off putting, but like, it's kind of related. And I, th- I think you might get a kick out of this. You might not, but you know, content anyways. So I was in Eddie's class sophomore year. It was organic chemistry and he had just got back from a conference and he said, yeah, I love like a conference is going up to students presenting posters. I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. Like as someone who presented a poster myself, like it's very like, it's like very like annoying. Like when no one goes up and like asks you about your work, I'm just like, and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know what? Good on Eddie. Like he's over here, like encouraging the next generation. Mm -hmm. That's where I went wrong. Um, Yep. (laughs) And he goes, no, I asked them questions until they're red in the face and they don't know how to answer them yeah so i so i say so let me get this straight you just go up with the intent of making them squirm for fun he goes yeah and i said as a 19 year old sophomore who's not doing great in this class by the way uh so like i really did not have the cards to do this and i go dr hall respectfully that's not very bte of you and i walked out of the room and like into the lab like during the demonstration and i was and i don't know if you remember I had Sydney Claypool. We yeah. were uh, we were friends there. I was like, girl, I gotta be honest. I have no idea what the fuck we're doing in lab, but that was such great of an exit. I cannot come back after that. So you got yeah, you're just done. Just yeah, hang up your cleats. You're done. Yeah, yeah. You got you got give me. You gotta like let me know like what I'm supposed to do, and like we'll do, and like I'll do it later. Yeah, that, that actually reminds me a lot of um one of my first days in grad school at Pitt. Like they were separating us into the TAs that would tutor organic or, or ta organic or ta or general chemistry and mm-hmm. i was coming to like biochem so it was like i was for sure going to be gen chem and mm-hmm. uh, they were writing out the names on the board and anybody whose name they wrote was organic and they would go with them for organic training and the last name to go up was my name and i just saw it and i was like are you kidding me i hate organic it's terrible and i just <laughs> not i hate it i just never had a good teacher it was just not great and so into the one of the people I went to RU with, uh, I just leaned over in kind of a stage whisper. How can they have me to or TA and organic? I think carbon forms five bonds. As a, <laughs> as a joke. But I said it loud enough that like the, the lead undergraduate teaching professor that was like running the session heard me and he turns right to me in front of our brand new cohort. Again, it's like day two, maybe he goes, well, aren't you just a dick? And I was just like, I'm home. Let's do it. And like that made me feel so comfortable because it was clearly a joke. And I was just like, this is I love that so much. <laughs> so I, oh my gosh, TA, TA assignments are crazy. Like I remember in my master's, I, so like my master's, like I come in, like there's people like 35, 32, 30, like who have like experience in the field. Mm hmm. So I'm thinking like, okay, like I'm going to have like very like non-majors bio or something like that. And 
they email out the assignments and they go, Jacob Watts, two classes. I'm just thinking like, okay, cool. I have two labs. Little did I know. (laughs) One of them was biodiversity. Okay. I was like, okay, okay. I was robbed of an A in this, so I don't know why I <laughs> they had me do this, but okay. Yeah. And then they had me doing microtechnique TA. Which, oh. which is very funny because I was taking said course. <laughs> and I was uh <laughs> um <laughs> I I think there's a conflict of interest here. Um so I emailed the Corner, I was like, hey, um, not trying to like complain because you know, I got into graduate school without having to submit letters of recommendation, okay. And I was and I was thinking, like, that's so badass, that should have been a red flag, but anyways. And then, I mean, it is badass, let's be honest, it's not nothing. No, I know, like, I like, I was like, like, I was like hyping myself up so much, and I was just like, wow. I just, I just, I say jump and they say how high. And like, so I, one thing about me is I'm very delusional. I am very delusional. So uh, I was thinking like, yeah, like this makes total sense why everyone else would have to submit letters, but not me. Like this makes total sense in my mind. And then to, and then you had to apply separately for a TA ship. So only once you got accepted into the school, then you could apply for TA. And then they asked for, I think two letters of rec and why and i like i said why and i didn't find where you could submit the letter like the thing for ta ship and i emailed the head of the department i was like hey um i'm not sure where to submit this like can you let me know and he goes oh you can just email them to me and it'll be fine okay <laughs> i was like okay here <laughs> i guess i guess <laughs> and then a month later didn't have to interview didn't have to interview to get into my advisor's lab as it was like, and it was a direct admit spot. And they're like, Hey, if you want to come do your master's here, here's money. Like come. And I was just like, cool. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. And then they had, and then had me TA a class that was taking, which was funny. And like, it ended up not, it ended up not being like an exam, like a class with like exams. I was more of like, a TA that just helped prep the labs. But like at the time, like I was thinking that like, am I just about to have like the easiest like class ever? Just be like, oh, 100. <laughs> it's like you coming in the lab early and it's like the Spider-Man meme of just like, hey, what are you what are you doing here? <laughs> like, hold on, it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like because they were having people apply for the TA ship separately from entering into the program that they weren't allowed to apply for the TA ship. Is that what I can kind of gather from that? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can, yep. Yeah. that's fair yep and so but yeah i was just thinking like you know what i guess just the rules don't apply to me on this one and like <laughs> which is like what about it tim before i sidelined the conversation which you guys have been watching for two seasons now you know this is just how i do things i don't mean it to it just happens um but how did you find your lab like for your phd like what drew you to pittsburgh exactly um i think the the biggest thing was the campus to be honest it's a weird thing to say but like it was the only uh very urban campus that i attended um 
and like the that kind of level of sarcasm that I felt from the undergraduate professor, I felt that on my, my trip there. And I just felt this like camaraderie that, you know, I kind of need that quick witted sarcasm, like sarcasm to kind of like be happy with people. <laughs> um, <and laughs> thankfully Hanover was never a short, short, like there's never a short on those kind of students, which is great. Um, but I, I swear you could get a PhD in sarcasm if you went to yeah. Hanover college. Yeah. It's, it's lovely. It's, it's, it was great. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it was just kind of that. And there was a number of professors there. Like I, I remember when I was applying to places, like I would always look for, like if I was going to apply there, I wanted to make sure there were at least three labs whose research like at face value, I was interested in, in performing. And that one, I had like an easy five or something like that. I just remember there's being a lot more there and it just felt right. And like the financial compensation was good. And I think at that point I knew more of my friends from the RU were going there and yeah, it just kind of made a lot of sense. And I, I had friends from college that were from Pittsburgh were going to be there too. So it was like, I knew people and it just made a lot of sense. So I just kind of ended up going down there um, as it wasn't too much further away than like my undergrad was. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think that's so important. Like obviously go to a lab where, which research you'd be interested in doing, of course. Mm-hmm. Also, I think we don't talk about and like by we, I mean, like society as a whole talk about like just how important the financial compensation, like the importance that plays in like mm-hmm. life. Because I've talked about this before. I if anyone ever wants to talk about money, I'll be the first one to be like, I'm making this, this, this and this, right. which some people find that rude. But I mean, I, I grew up in the Midwest with a very Southern family like boundaries are just not existent um, <laughs> so in my master's we got paid a thousand dollars a month for ta ship and we and that did not cover our fees and we had about like five hundred dollars to like twelve hundred dollars of fees every semester oh really wow yeah so we and it was in our contracts that we were not allowed to take on a second job Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I did anyway because I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm gonna do what I want, but um, right. And I feel like a lot of that, like legalese that kind of have that in contracts, is more like you can't let a second job disrupt your abilities. You can use it as excuses why you're not doing your stuff or or what have you. But I mean, either way, that's they're charging you money and charging you more money than they're you're pay, they're paying you, and like they're not letting you get a second job. That's kind of garbage. That's Oh, so many issues wrong with that. School. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful now that like in my current institution, I don't have that problem. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you now, by the way? I'm at the University of Kentucky. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah with Olivia. Oh, are you really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Is it, is it there too? Yeah, she's in the med- medical school. That's right. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. And Natalie Miller's here for. Uh, really? Yeah, for I love these people. Yeah, yeah, I know. I again, spent very spinoff vibes. I feel very I feel. much so. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I tell. I have this theory that every stage of your life is a spinoff from the previous one, and it's just: Are you going to make this current stage of your life, this current spinoff, more successful than the original one? Okay. Does, does, does like genre make something like, fit in there too? Like, is it more serious or funny or more of a horror show? <laughs> I mean, I describe my life as a dramatic comedy. So, okay. All right. 
Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, although I'm very, again, I'm very delusional. So I'm always thinking like, oh yeah, like very, like very over the top, very dramatic person. So yeah. why not? Yeah. So no, 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 yeah. That's, <laughs> plus drama, like dramedies are like, it's comedy with heart. Yeah. That's a, that's a good combination. Right. See, you get it. You yeah, get exactly. It. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How would you describe your life in terms of like, if it was a TV show, like right now, like this season of your life is a TV show. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, it's kind of like, uh, I'd say America's funny, funny's own videos. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. Yeah. I just like, I think it's, um, and I'm still reeling from having a kid during COVID. I feel like I imagine that, that, totally threw me for a loop and like threw my me and my wife for a loop and like is a big part of why we ended up coming back here uh was just this like you know we had a kid but no one could see us like that was crazy yeah uh, sorry i'm just again just trying to get this timeline like yeah he was born during covid or you all got pregnant July of 2020 Oh, she was alive 2020. Oh, July of 2020. She was oh, born. July 2020. Okay. I was just like, what a weird way to say that, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, damn. Yeah. And oh. the, and I, I came back to Hanover, like, I mean, that, that fall, like, we were supposed to be online, but then they're like, no, we're going to do it in person. And so, like, five weeks into my daughter's life, I was forced to go back and teach in person. And that felt terrible for so many reasons. Yeah. Because I was a liability to my family, and like it just felt like the wrong reason to be like risking it, like the way Hannah was risking it, and just yeah, that just it was a, a tough fall for me. I mentally was in a bad place. So, mm-hmm. and as someone who was there during that particular fall, yeah, the and I won't pretend like I know all the ins and outs of everything, but just seeing just the exhaustion that I put on a lot of like the faculty yeah, was just, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it because selfishly part of me was glad for the in-person classes, like as a senior during that time. I, like, I get that. Yeah. 100%. As, as selfish as that was, but at the same time, just realizing how no one really had a plan or strategy for the way we were going about doing things. And everyone was just, essentially just drowning trying to survive it was and like not to be dramatic but it felt very dystopian at times oh yeah yeah and just kind of like there was this expectation from the administration that things must go on as normal despite the huge roadblocks and risks of it all (laughs) just like and for me like i it was it was hard as a teacher during that time to know how to approach it because i didn't want to be a disservice to my students during that but i also didn't want to be so hard on them that i I further caused mental anguish for what they were already going through yeah because i mean no no one preps for you preps you how to teach during a global pandemic like no no no, not at all that there's not a youtube video for that (laughs) but the very specific one that there is but man like nowadays i guess there are some but not not that time yeah you know when I said I wanted to make history, that was not what I was talking about. But, but you know, happens. I under I can only imagine like how stressful that must must been. Just not like from the teaching aspect, but as a new father as well. Like you had this itty bitty child at home, which 
I'm not going to pretend that I understand children at all. Like I'm <laughs> like, I'm very self-aware. I respect children. I know nothing about them, but I imagine like you're worried about just her developing like a natural immune system because babies get sick all the time because they're building right. the system. And then you're also worried about like, oh my gosh, am I going to bring COVID home to my baby daughter? Right. Right. I mean, that, that, that was a big stressor. Um, and I think what, what was the hardest for me during that time was that, you know, I'm a very much, uh, I'm, I, I deal with people pleasing a lot. I still do. Um, Give off that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but. Uh, no, because like I do that too. Like I can right. recognize that. So like okay, I. You, okay, the kinship there. Kinship there. Kinship there. Yeah, yeah we're, we're team pleasing those peoples. You know, it's good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so like when I was teaching during COVID, like I was trying to be, you know, a good husband keeping my wife with a newborn safe. And so I would do all the grocery shopping and running around doing errands and stuff. And my wife would stay at home because like there was, we didn't want to risk her going out if she's the main source of food at that point for the baby. And obviously there's the baby and I want to do as much as I can for that. But then it's just like, at that point, there wasn't a ton I could do, but, and I just also felt like kind of scatterbrained because of the job because I was trying to figure out teaching and during a pandemic on the fly. And then like, and I, I'm sure you know this, like I always am a fervent supporter of my students and will try to do everything I could for them. And the mental health needs of campus during that time was so astronomical that there was no way they were able to fulfill it. And so a lot of students naturally came to me and a lot of them, and I, I was, glad I could be there for them as a resource, but I'd spend most of my days basically kind of being a bit of a therapist for a ton of students and go home and try to be a father, try to be a husband, and then they go to bed. And then I'm like, all right, now I have to grade. I have to prepare my lectures. I have to do all X, Y, Z for all these committees and stuff. And it was just like, at the end of the day, I just didn't have any gas in the tank within like two weeks of that semester starting. And I just somehow try to get through that. And like, it was, it was tough. Yeah, no, totally. And there is a very fine line between being a supportive, like mentor person in someone's corner and exhausting yourself to where there's nothing left. Right. And I feel like, and not just you, I feel like that was the expectation for a lot of the faculty during that time. And not just to like, Hanover specifically, I'm not just full on like bashing them or anything, but like, I feel like that was almost the expectation of teachers and, and like professors throughout, like everywhere. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it was at times like very dehumanizing to, and just selfishly as a student, I felt like at times it was like very unfair of times. And I might just be like a whiny bitch. I don't know. (laughs) But I felt like it was like very unfair for administrators to expect students to perform normally in class when there's no social benefits. And I'm not saying like there should have been like, cause you know, people were dying like that and like that. Right. Like, but there's a balance though there too. And yeah. there was, yeah. If you're going to have the students be pushed, they need to have that outlet of social energy that, you know, that way to blow off steam, whatever. And they just didn't have that. And so everyone got burnt out real quick. Like it was so apparent, so obvious that like 
people were miserable. Oh yeah. I, I say that like I had a drastic mental health improvement once I graduated. I'm and sure. I, I was just like done. Even though I went straight back into. <laughs> I I say this, like I'm so like, I was like so burnt out. And then like, I went immediately into one program, then immediately into another one. So like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Maybe take my words with a grain of salt, but I, <laughs> I think it was it was rough, and that kind of leads me to this question: which was that the reason why you decided to leave your teaching job? Because I know you talked about earlier, like during your PhD, one of the things that motivated you to get through it was to go back to a smaller liberal arts school and teach, mm-hmm. and. Then, just to leave it so like was if you're comfortable like what can you walk us through like that what that process was and like how you came to that decision yeah it's, it's it was a big walk um mostly because i had built up that career as like my dream career because of how i was using it in grad school to get through like to me i did grad school to become a teacher so of course i'm teaching this is what my life is now um, but I, I think even before COVID had started, I, I just was frustrated with just the lack of appreciation that, um, I think faculty received from the administration in general, like they always thought they could pile, pile more stuff on top of us. And I was always getting increasingly frustrated with that. And then COVID hit and to see them like seemingly not even address the fact, like I have a five week old that I talked to, uh, like administration act that about that and they're like well you gotta be in person everyone else is i'm like dope cool thank you that felt really good um yeah, yeah. and I, again i don't want to bash anything in particular but just like that was really part of it and and i, I never was somebody that uh, was about like the salary like we were talking about before but at that time it kind of became this like the stand-in for like this is literally how people appreciate you is to you know, pay you what you think you're worth, pay what you think you've gone through. And like, there was a little bit from, from code. And I know, you know, Hanover is not the most, not the richest of campuses, but it still just felt like, like good job. You did your job. That's all you're going to get. It's just a a nice, like, you know, attaboy. That's, that's it. And that really pissed me off. Like I was very frustrated and very upset about that. And um, just didn't have, like, I was just losing my love of the like idea of teaching just because of how we were being treated. But on top of that, like, you know, I think the way that I teach, I'm a very, I'm sure, again, I'm sure you know, but for those who don't know, I was a very hard teacher. Like I, like kind of had, was known for having really hard exams. Um, and I wasn't doing it to be you know, pushing people away or be a weed out class or anything. It was more just, I always taught in a way that tried to undo the mistakes that I felt along my own path. Like, so when I mentioned before about, I never learned how to learn, I would, I was actively trying to break my students of just the typical memorization pathway to learning kind of thing. And so I was hard on my students and I pushed them, but on the flip side, I was also very supportive and it took a lot of time to be supportive and like be thoughtful and be the teacher that I thought I I needed to be. And so I was kind of like 
in this position where I had my emotions on my sleeve with how I taught, because like, this is me trying to undo this, like what was like how I went through it. And that was never going to be a thing that I could ever like rectify. Like I can't undo what I went through. And I'm just going to keep at this type of teaching because this is what I believe in. And then I would see other, you know, colleagues that would also just do the bare minimum, it seems, and, and like, or completely undo the work that I'm doing. Because, uh, like, to me, teaching is, or learning is not about memorization. And so many teachers are that way. Like, we're just, just give me back what I gave you and we're good. And, like, that's not at all what my classes were. And I, it, I was, it was hard for me to kind of help these students out if, you know, they're, I'm one of their four classes and the other three are just like rote memorization. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying, but I can only do so much if I'm one voice for them in a semester. Um, so like all those kind of things like were leading toward me getting increasingly frustrated and, and feeling increasingly underappreciated. And I think honestly, it was a bit of a culture difference too. Like I never connected with the, the community out there, you know, being from the East Coast, not really East Coast, but Eastern U.S., and like that sarcasm that I have, like I connected with students more than I did with like anybody in my, in the town or with other colleagues. Like I was way more friendly with the students that just felt like I shouldn't have to like lean on that aspect of my life to have my social needs met. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a weird kind of combination. Um, and so just like with all those kind of thoughts in my head and, you know, having a child during COVID and wanting to have a supportive family, like it just increasingly made sense to leave uh, at least Hanover. And then like, I kind of came to the conclusion later on that I'm going to leave teaching too, just because I think I need a bit of a mental break, if not a permanent break from the profession. Um, and so, yeah, I just, sorry, that was a very long winded answer, but it's, it was a very complex and a large number of things. And it was a big decision for, for me to make. So. Yeah. Oh, come on, Tim. Like you've seen the show, you know, we love a long witted answer. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. No. I don't think I've given a simple short answer in my entire life. I yeah. think okay. like, I swear my first words were, well, you see here is, uh, but I promise like, I don't mean this like just as like the Taylor Swift obsessed person as I am, but that entire story that like your entire story in that regard screamed it's time to go like the song it's time to go i highly not know much taylor swift at all so i highly suggest you listen to it because i feel like just like capture your soul like so well and you'll be like i feel seen (laughs) so okay i I, that gives me motivation enough to uh to give it a shot yeah you you should i'm very wise for my age um but anyways (laughs) that that is apparent we all know we're all listening But no, I, first off, I mean, I know this may not mean anything for me, but I am so sorry that you had to tackle all that and kind of do it in a way, like on your own, just saying, just not having, like, who are you going to like complain to? Like the administration that doesn't seem to like value all the work you're putting in and like the stress it's putting on, not just you as a person, but as your entire family unit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that for sure. It doesn't matter. Like I, you, you, yeah. having that empathy is always a good thing i appreciate that yeah i know but i mean like sometimes it just be i mean like i can only imagine how difficult that must have been and honestly i think you raise a really good point with this kind of just and i and i don't mean to shade anything but i was very grateful that in 
well, sometimes I was, uh, that in my classes in undergrad, I never felt like I was just memorizing it for the sake of memorizing it. Like I always felt like I was being pushed to learn sometimes too far, but that's a story for another day. But I, and so I understand like how you're wanting your students to actually get something out of your class. And like, you're putting all this energy in and devotion to not set them up for failure, but like set them up to like succeed in this field if they want to go further into it and then just have colleagues do not nearly about the same work, but then get the same amount of praise that you are getting for doing all this. So right. I, right. I, under, I understand how just exhausting that is. Yeah. And, and honestly, the, the thing I didn't even mention that not you, you mentioned that right there kind of brings back up is I was kind of holding on to get tenure to see what that felt like. Yeah. Uh, and I got it, but I was also on the committee that was granting tenure by like looking at like the portfolios of the various professors that were up for it. And to see how that sausage was made and how those decisions were made was basically like, if they're like mediocre, they're going to pass with a rubber stamp. Like it, it, I feel like it really undervalued what I was trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And like when I get it and there's somebody else who just like, Oh yeah, half their comments are pretty grumpy about from the students and people say they're just not really challenged or whatever. And it's like, and that's gonna be okay. All right. I I won't put this on you, Tim. So I'm just gonna say it. There were some professors who definitely should not have been granted tenure in their entire freaking thing in my yep. existence. And I'm messy. So if you want to know, DM me on the Patreon. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna say who. I'm not gonna say who. <laughs> God. Oh, in summary, I'm so sorry. I appreciate it. And like, yeah, I, I, it's something that like a lot of my closest students knew about. Like I, I would talk to them. I would, I would be open with them about this while I was teaching them. And a lot of them knew it. And honestly, a, a big handful of them, I, I really appreciate to this day when I told them I'm leaving Hanover, they were just like, good for you. You deserve better. <laughs> like I had so many students tell me that and that was not the reaction I was expecting, but it it felt good for them to recognize it and then just to be like, yeah, go, go get what you want to get and go for it, man. Yeah. Did you feel like it was kind of like you were breaking up with a very like harmful and ugly ex and they're like, thank God, like, <laughs> like do better <laughs> or like, no, I think it, yes and no. It's like, yes, but you, you love their kids kind of thing, I guess you can say, because like, I mean, this, the students always made it worth it. That was absolutely the best part of the job. Um like I, I wish I could have figured out a way to like honestly never have to grade. I freaking hate grading; it's terrible. And same, yeah. And, and like, could find a way where I could honestly meet students where they are at and have them realize, like, oh, I'm on your, I'm on their side, and I'm trying to help them. And like, it's they can trust me to push as hard as they can in my classes, and they'll benefit from it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I miss all those things, but. Yeah, in terms of like the institution and how higher education performs, at least in my one example of what I've seen, yeah, that uh, that was just like good riddance in, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, again, Tim, I'm begging you, and you have you have my contact information. Please, after this is over, listen to it's time to go and tell me if it's not a perfect metaphor. But then, but we're getting sidetracked. We're getting sidetracked. I'll email you about it. Yeah. 
I I demand an email. I demand the answer. Um, okay. anyway, all right. Yeah, no, I totally understand kind of like needing that break from teaching. Like just the soul gets tired, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I know you talked about it briefly, but can you kind of walk us through how you found this new job after teaching and like what exactly it is that you do? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, so I think the me wanting to get away from teaching really just like as you mentioned, kind of like that. I, I was too like my my passion was like kind of worn out. Like it was kind of had been on E for a while, and um, I didn't necessarily think I would find a lot of passion in uh, pharmaceuticals. Um, but I was like, let's give this a shot because I knew there was at least you know financial benefits for that there, um, and didn't fully know exactly what to expect going into a field like that. Um, but the moving back to where I'm from, um, around Albany, New York, uh, there's only two really big companies that would kind of make sense for my skill set and what I'd done. Um, and so, yeah, I, I work for this company called Regeneron. Uh, they're a huge, probably... 15 to 20,000 people worldwide probably these days. Um, Damn. And I work at the main production site for most of the drugs that are distributed in, the, in uh, North America. Um, it's funny. I was very adamantly against any job in the pharmaceutical industry when I was in grad school. It just felt like, you know, you're selling your soul to the devil kind of thing. Like, you know, you're just benefiting financially off of the struggles of others kind of thing. But I, I've seen enough stuff here that I kind of do believe at least part of the company cares enough about, um, you know, the, the people first, like the, the patients first, they really, really do. Um, like, I think that the one go-to example I always have is that uh, one of the first drugs that went to market helps a very, niche kind of disease that only i think twelve thousand people in the world have um yeah but and because of that there's not much of a population that is going to be taking this drug um there's actually no way to produce it in a way that they can financially benefit from it like it costs more to make than it does to actually like what they can sell for and Mm -hmm. despite taking a loss on it they still make it every day or every every year rather, um, to supply for these people, the, the, you know, have this disease, you know, it's a small group. So, okay, humanity's not dead. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of stuff like makes made it better, and you know, it's they also have like this big uh, part of like their homepage for their employees where you can go look and listen to stories of patients and how the drugs that we make change our lives and. And how it helps them and makes life better and worth living and all kinds of stuff like that. And like all those things are really, really positive. Um, so I kind of have that around. Uh, and then on top of that, like it's a company that just, they take care of their own employees. Like they really, like the amount of benefits that I got, like moving here, like they paid for the move. They helped. Yeah. They, they, I don't want to get into all the details because it's just like not really worth it, but like that alone, like, I just didn't really have to do much. Like they were just kind of like, "Yeah, we're just we'll move you." I'm like, "All right, that's that's great." And um, yeah, they just kind of covered a lot of those expenses and um, made that transition a lot easier. 
um, when I finally moved and headed back, especially since my wife and my daughter already left the area. Like they, they left like the April of my last year and then I didn't leave until like mid June. So I was like just me and the dogs for a while. And then I was terrified of having to like pack up the entire house. We're like, actually just, we got it. So don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that, and, like that coming from where I was just felt like, Oh, you actually, okay. You want me, you, uh, you want me to feel like looked after and helped and, and seen and stuff. And like, you know, it's what I needed at the time, but like, it's, it's not purely financial. It's like they were doing the little aspects just to make it easier. And I, I, I very much appreciated that. But, um, but yeah, so I started in late June of 22 and, uh, I work in this department called QC tech resources or technical resources. And so you can kind of think of it as like, um, a technical difficulties type of department that supports the QC group or mm-hmm. and QC being quality control. Um, and so essentially like we will help out um, like any testing of product going to market, we kind of help support any investigations or anything's going on there. And we also kind of help with a process called validations uh, where we essentially approve certain protocols for testing the drug at different stages of their development um, and their production as they before like going from raw material up to a uh, final product that they uh, then go out and to, to patients. So it's a highly regulated space. Um, about 80% of my job is the regulations of what's called GMP, which is good manufacturing practices. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all the FDA regulations. It's all the, the way it, you have to change things in a way that's very visible and you have a lot of just paperwork with everything that you do. Um, but there's like a 20% of it is the actual science that I know. And the science on it, of it is not terrible. It's much more the logistics of working in GMP that I do, but um, it, it's using more of a problem solving side of my brain and more of like a technical side of my brain that I wasn't using teaching that I really appreciate. And so that's really nice. And then another thing that I think is just like one of the, the best benefits is that even though I, you know, it's a eight to four thirty job, um, you know, all throughout the school year or all, all throughout the year, rather, um, I get a decent amount of time off. And then also like when I go home, I go home. I don't have to go grade. I don't have to go prep. I don't have to do anything because I'm off the clock, like I'm done. And so even though I would have summers off teaching, um, even though I'd be expected to, to do research and do all my class prep and all the other stuff off my like eternally long to-do list. Um, I feel way more relaxed in this role just because I can mentally turn off my working brain every night and not have to worry about it. Completely understand. And granted, I haven't had it to the extent that you had, but no, I like a typical work week for me right now is lab in lab by like nine. And then class meetings, teaching until about, and then my own experiments till about five, six, seven, sometimes eight. And then homework and then reading papers until I fall asleep. Yeah. You eat, breathe, butt stuff when you're in grad school. That's for sure. Yeah. So, and even, and I'm sure, I'm sure you can relate to this. 
and I don't mean this like against my family, like they love me very much, but they think like in the summer, like in my masters and like now, like I just don't do anything. Like, like once, like once, like first week of May comes, like I'm done. Like, and I was just like, that's just, I work with live animals. I can't just be like, bye. Yeah. You guys have fun for three months. I'm out. No. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that was my first, my first day of my new job. Mine, the manager that hired me into like her, her little group, she says, you need to understand that this job is not as flexible as an academic job. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, to give you a sense for like how out of touch she was about her own view of that. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. And I was like, mm, yeah, okay. I mean, oh. people think that we have summers off and like, we only have to teach a couple hours a day, but you can't take a day off on like a Friday. Like you do in this job. Like I can just take a Friday. It's not a big deal. But like if I did it in teaching, you have to get someone to cover your classes or account for a loss of lecture time or whatever and no like i think while there is uh yeah you do spend more days going into the office like it is to me when we're flexible and um i kind of just like being able to kind of like work on products on my own and just solve problems present them to you know bosses and just develop path forward and go do it you know and that's kind of what i'm doing and the cool thing is too um, is that the part or the group itself, like or in the, the company itself is growing so quickly that they hire a lot of um, like mid 20 year olds to like early 30 year olds. Mm-hmm. And so literally the population I was teaching at Hanover are my coworkers now. And so I know how to relate to those people because of that. And so, and I have, and like I, I picked up on things that I have to relay how it works. And so I'm teaching still. Yeah. So like that skill is not gone. I'm still get to do that, but now I get to stay with them and not just, it's not for a grade. It's to help them accomplish a task. Yeah. And getting better compensated for it. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I, Tim, you don't know me very well, but I'm, I, uh, I'm a very curious person and it's none of my business, but I do require all the details. So again, we may have another zoom outage. I don't know, but say nothing if the compensation for this job is better than the previous job. Okay, say nothing if it's significantly better. Sorry, Tim, I think you froze. I think you froze. Like, are you back in? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm here. Yeah, I think my power is back now. That's good. That's good. Okay, cool. Got okay. Worried I lost you there. But also, this is like a weird question, but like you just brought it up and made me think about it. From like the social like setting now, because you kind of like have that kind of like sarcastic need back and forth that like you got when you were teaching from the students. Are you getting that now from like being back like where you grew up, like that kind of environment? Are your social needs better met? Oh, that's a strong hundred percent. Yeah. I'm like, I used to make comments regularly in town, like Madison, Indiana, Hanover, Indiana, and people are like, huh? Just like not getting a thing of what I'm talking about. But now it's like, I have a ton of people at work that I'm friendly with. I have a lot of neighbors that I'm really friendly with. But very welcoming, very quick-witted, very sarcastic. And yeah, I mean, and the nice thing too is that the, when I find someone at work that I'm friendly with, 
I don't have to then like respect this student professor relationship barrier that kind of prevent us from getting closer to people. It was just like, no, you're just for colleagues. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, some professors didn't. Oh, oh no, no, sorry. Uh, oh, well, if you know, you know, anyways, uh, but like walk us through like an example for people who may not know, like Hanover or Madison, Indiana, like what was the thing where like, like play paint us a picture in our head like if you like if i was like a madison indiana person which i'm from austin indiana so like very close to atmosphere but i <laughs> i totally get that because my sense of humor and like the way i interact did not fit <laughs> that area at all right yeah you know you know some stars just are too big but anyways uh burn too bright burn <laughs> too bright <laughs> oh my god i'm so fucking stupid anyways uh so like what like walk us through a scenario where you were just like where you like you said something and they're like hmm, and you were just left with like what the fuck like yeah I mean I'm trying to think of anything I don't I don't know how many memories of any like one instance but I feel like even just like at the checkout line at Kroger trying to make some joke with somebody it just like even with like, a cat register it's just like just totally yeah. lost I mean one thing I, I kind of came to understand really well this idea and i don't know if it's this is a, like a i don't want to make an entire regional assessment based off of one town but like i you know everyone goes on about this whole idea of like midwest nice oh that's just not true <laughs> yeah I, I i my my experience was just like like people really didn't want to get to know me on a level at all like it just and it seemed like a lot of relationships just seem very um like surface like they just like yeah we're friendly and that's kind of where we're going to be and oh yeah no like uh tim you didn't grow up there i did and right. like for a frame of reference austin indiana was 25 minutes away from madison okay okay very i don't consider myself a townie but like i was like very i was very familiar with that setting and i'm not and like i'm grateful for the people that i met but like that's like a very common thing People, and which is so weird because we're in Indiana, like that's very much not the South, but a lot of people be like, well, what happened to Southern hospitality? I was like, well, it's in the South. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> so, I, don't know, I don't know what you all are saying, but yeah, it, there's that very much level of just surface level nice. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't, I need... If I can't roast you and insult you and like we still be fine and like we're like in it back and forth. Right. I I can't go back and forth with you. And just some people aren't like that. And like my family, a lot of people in my family aren't like that. And I would like be joking like back and forth and be like, you're so fucking stupid. Like, what are you doing? Like fully being like joking. And they are like ready to fight. Like they're so upset. And I was just like, I so where did you pick it up then if you it wasn't from your family? Was it like a, a school thing or with friends or I don't know. I just think I broke the mold on that one, man. Like I just like I mean Tim I saw a better way and I walked that path. <laughs> it was all a better way. Tim, I grew I grew up gay in a one stoplight town that had more churches than it did street signs. Okay. Yeah, that was a lot. Yep. Okay, like I ra- I raised my personality. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, you have so. no other choice but to yeah. 
I gotcha. Yeah. So, and I don't mean that like in a very depressing way. So like, no, but I mean, good, good for you for like getting to that point, you know, and be like, yeah, that's who I'm going to be. And that's that. Yeah. That's great. And like come from that setting, I think so many people, especially kind of who have, or from that community, like the LGBTQ community, like would probably come out feeling very muted from a community like that. But you're like, no, nah, I'm going to be my bombastic and like sarcastic and just, you know, fun self that like people don't get me, but I don't care. I'm going to find my, my cohort and, and just trust that. Oh, That's yeah. great. Oh yeah. And like, this is a mindset that I adopted. as kind of like survival. I feel like everyone else should too. So I'm giving free advice to everyone. This has been helping people from ages of eight seconds to eight lifetimes. So strap in everybody. You should, I feel like you should be your own favorite person. Like I, I feel like, and I'm not saying that like in a way that devalues anybody else, but being your number one fan takes away nothing else from, from anybody else. And so you should be like, I, am I the best person I know? Absolutely not. Am I the t- most talented? Yes, I am. I, <laughs> am I the smartest? No, but I am still my favorite person. I just don't, I don't feel like that stops anything. And I, and I feel like in tying it back into academia, I feel like this almost sense of like competition be like, well, I can only feel great if I'm doing X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, like you actually don't have to do any of those things. Like, yeah, there's people more accomplished than me. And like, I'm not, I'm self-aware. I'm still my favorite person. So like, I just, I don't know. I just feel but like that idea of, of self-love is so important like to have and be able to, it's a, it's a skill that people struggle with. And like, you know, I think it can sour or it, like enliven any situation. Um, and yeah, like the, having that is a great thing. And at any age and like, you'll figure it out. And like you said, like, it's not taking away from, you're not like self-centered. You're just saying, I really enjoy who I am and my sense of humor. And like my way of looking at the world is like, that's the way I want it to be. I'm not, ashamed of it it is it is who i am and i love it kind of thing that's great no no i don't fit the academic mold in a lot of ways because of that and i just i I think you do more than you realize because academic it's full of weirdos man it really is i feel to be like kind of like a little quiet because of how serious everything feels and how like lofty it all feels but it's like now we're all a bunch of freaking weirdos and nerds great i i won't name drop but uh i i've like been in situations where i mean and i know you don't know this about me well you might have picked it up by now i don't know but i am very much of i will tell myself all the time like oh my gosh i'm awesome like this is great i'm doing such a good job like this like very thing and people and advisors especially of mine have pointed out that like i'm a very cocky person and i'm just not like it's just this whole thing's a facade, but we're like, we're going into it anyways. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So for anyone out there who may not have like a good lab or advisor environment, you know, I've been there multiple times, um, but just, you know, have fun, have fun, do what you want and all that good stuff. Honestly, I've, I've had that situation. I had pretty contentious relationship with my RE professor and, 
my grad school one, basically I had to bully him back for him to respect me. And it took a lot to push me to be able to do that, but I did it once and it's all I had to do. It was once. And he got in line and things got a lot easier after that. Oh my gosh. My PhD advisor is probably the best advisor I had, but like in my previous moments, I very much had to be that kind of like bully back mentality. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because like, that's really not who I am, but I'm so good at it. And it's just so, it's just, I don't know. And I don't feel like that's, I don't feel like, I feel like you're very sarcastic. I don't see you as like a bully type of person. So I know that must've been like very hard to like work yourself up to that. And like, you really must've felt like I have no other choice, but to do this. Oh yeah. My back back was definitely up against the wall and I just kind of lashed back out. And uh, yeah, it was one moment it was over and done with pretty quick, but yeah, that's not me at all. But, you know, I I think it's important to have the ability to like, you know, I was talking about earlier, like boundaries and when people cross them, how to, you know, Hey, respect my boundary, please. Thank you. Oh. In whatever way that looks like, you know, it's no. can take on many forms. Yeah, the polite version of check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not subtle. I've never been subtle a day in my life. Um we're winding down here. So I yeah. ask my last question, which is a question I'm ending all of season two with i'm hoping that the viewers have caught on and if they've not i've been wasting this for the entire season mm-hmm. uh, but if you were to go back at one point in your academic or professional life and just tell yourself one thing and i'm talking like two cents worth of advice yeah what would you tell yourself do i have to specify the time frame i would tell myself or is this just kind of like a general specify specify the time frame like you have to pinpoint right. one moment in past tim's life probably start of college i would tell myself to um more than anything, listen to my natural curiosity. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, because I, I think I had this thing where, like, if I accomplish X, I earn Y amount of appreciation from others, and I would do all those things to get that appreciation. But that is a fool's path that has never really worked, and it's something that I just kind of have learned to move out of but curiosity has always been the thing that leads me to joy and things that i'm naturally good at and things that i want to do with my time and um i just don't think i gave it the time of day that i needed to back at that point in my life Hmm. that's so wise like such a good answer oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) i appreciate you say that it's nice all right, I just I just be saying stuff. Um I I one thing one thing that's bad about me, and maybe it's a good thing, I don't know, is that I am very direct with how like how I'm feeling and like mm-hmm. my face. So like if some if someone's just saying like something absolutely stupid, like I'll fully be feel like I'm like, mm-hmm. And then my face is like 
Right. Yeah. Just rolling your eyes, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you, you know, Sydney. Yeah. He said, I hope I never make you mad because your eye rolls are the heaviest fucking thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in a way, it's kind of a compliment. Like just that, that much power you have in just your eyelids. That's good. Honestly, I feel like I had to be nerfed in some way, and that's why I'm in academia. I'd be too powerful. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, Tim, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show and talking with us and just being honest with your experience as someone who doesn't have anyone in academia like growing up Mm -hmm. the kind of backwards non-directness of academia and how it works annoyed the shit out of me so that's why i started the show where we just give nothing but direct answers and heavy eye rolls apparently (laughs) well i appreciate you know you just having me on and talking about this kind of stuff i don't normally get to like get into the depths of this but also, just for just generally doing what you're doing, I think this is offering a lot of insight for a lot of people. So I think it's generally an appreciated thing that you're doing. So thank you for doing what you do. Uh, thank you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely, man. So, you know, if Apple Podcasts would finally sponsor this thing. Uh, I mean, that would be the nice thing, right? And I just pick that up. That'd be the nice thing. I mean, like, come on. We've been, we've been heard in every continent. Like, what more do you want from me? it's just it life is hard for a teenager in his mid-20s throw a spotify you'll be good there you know i mean it's it's on all platforms oh (laughs) i thought apple was being withholding for some reason like that just sounds like very apple of them oh no Uh, (laughs) is it really is it really not very apple come on go on tim oh my goodness but i don't know but thank you again i hope this is like a somewhat glimpse of what it would have been like if i was a student in your class i mean obviously i would have i would have aced it obviously no crumbs ate that until we actually got to the course and i would have failed but anyways i I feel like this would have been the most intense first year 101 interview i've ever received oh yeah (laughs) i i forgot about that first year 101 oh my god i i try to block that out no, that's fair. I honestly I block out so much. Uh, well, Tim, thank you again for coming on and sitting down, chatting with us. I know the mm-hmm. audience really appreciated it. I know I appreciate it. And I hope that this was not too much of an inconvenience of your time. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, I, it's it's something that I think it's good for me to be able to talk about now that I'm in a much better place. and. Um, can reflect, I think, more clearly with a with better mental health at, at what the last few years have been. Um, but uh, no, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, and it's been it's been a, a nice time to be able to talk about all that stuff and, and joke around about it. Yeah, you know, humor, and you know, trauma is the spice of life. You know, so <laughs> oh, one hundred percent, yeah, 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 no, untraumatized people, flower. No, yeah, no, there's no personality there. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> no, no. No, you think I got this personality from having no trauma in my life? No, this has been seasoned and marinated for years. 
I know people may not hear it, but Tim, I swear Tim is laughing whenever I say these things. Like he is laughing. He's just. <laughs> but yeah, you didn't collect like a 10 minute laugh track and then just kind of inserting it. I, I am genuinely like finding it quite enjoyable. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, well, Tim, is there anything you would like to say to the audience before we sign off for today? I mean, I'm not entirely sure who's all in your audience, like what they're, but I'm assuming they're probably within graduate school and, and go with that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's things in grad school can be weird and tough and seemingly like you're stuck in a corner, but, uh, you know, figure out what you like, focus on what you can do with your degree. Once you're out, if you are needing some kind of hope and motivation and, um, know that, you know, while there might, may not be like the best advisor for everybody, like, you can always keep looking too, you know, and just finding kind of where you fit and find someone that drives you the way that you want rather than feeling like you have to stay with one person if that's what the problem is, you know, but it's really, there's a million things out there and I'm happy to like, if anyone want to reach out to me, I can certainly just like talk through these things. So I'm still regularly talking to many former students through these exact kind of problems. So like, I'm happy to help however, that's kind of who I am. So. Wow. People pleaser till the end. I know, right? <laughs> but I have the mental capacity to handle it now without it like completely overwhelming me. So it's great. You know, progress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Tim, thank you so much. And as always, I am your host, Jacob Watts, and I will be waiting on that email from Tim letting me know his thoughts on It's Time to Go. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.